Welcome to the GameStop episode, everybody. Today, you'll be listening to three degenerate apes talk about their experience with the meme stock, GameStop. Logo, GME. None of this constitutes as financial advice. Do your own due diligence. And if you, my fellow ape, are currently in possession of some GME, Diamond Hands, we're going to the moon, baby! Welcome to the casino. <laughs> okay, so I first discovered Wall Street Bets back in 2019, 2020. Mm-hmm. It propped up on, on my front page uh, when I was browsing through r slash popular. Mm-hmm. What was it all? And uh, this post by the name of Don't Doubt Your Vibe came up. So I'm like, mm, okay, what's this? Let me click on this, right? Mm-hmm. Click on it. And I saw a gain porn of $8 million. Oh. I was like, what is this? I need, I need in on this. <laughs> and this was back when Tesla was booming. And actually, like, I, if I got on at that point of time, I would have caught the, the wave, the Tesla boom. Because it peaked, I think, this month, 800 plus. It's around 800 plus now. I always thought that Tesla was stuck around like, what, 200, 300? No, nah, Tesla right now, I think it's 800. If, don't quote me on this. You guys can go check it out yourselves. But I'm on Yahoo Finance now. It says 852. Okay, there we go. Jeez. Okay. So, and, and I didn't know anything. But back then, I didn't have the capital to, to sort of invest in stocks. I was mm. dumping all my money into my master's and I was pretty much no scholarship, unemployed for an entire year, and that ate mm. up all my savings. Mm. So around December, end of December this year, uh, last year actually, I, I decided, mm. hey, okay, I have some, I'm some capital right now from working yeah. part-time. Let me, let me dive back in. I started reading, and, but the stocks they were playing were, were pretty big stocks. I mean, big for what I wanted to do. It was like maybe $30, $40. And my first endeavor into a meme stock was Palantir. Right. Palantir went up really crazily from, I think, up until like 20, 20 over dollars and it stagnated there. And I just, I just paper handed. <laughs> I, could, I couldn't take the, the loss because it was fluctuating a lot. And I said, you know what? This is not the quick buck that I was promised. When was this? This was like around Christmas. Oh, I remember okay. checking IBKR during Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> then I went into r slash penny stocks, which mm. back then, it, it boomed crazily. But now, uh, back then, it was like maybe 100,000, 200,000 subs. Right. And I caught the wave of this penny stock called Zom. Zom. Yeah, Zom. Right now, it's experiencing a second wave. Um, it went from like 0.2 to about 1.1, I think. I sold it one. And then now it's at 1.9. Oh, jeez. Zomedica Pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Correct. They're having a product release, I think, in March. I see. Yeah. You know, I did all of this with no experience. I, I don't know what options are. I don't know. I don't even know what due diligence is. Because the last time I dabbled in such a thing, I only did crypto. So, yeah. Yeah. I just listened to what people say and I just <laughs> blind trust. Yeah, so that's how I got into to Wall Street bets. Yeah, I started seeing the news about GameStop, I guess about a month ago. It was like a bit after my birthday, right? And then you started to send me some stuff about it. And I had no idea what was going on, right? Like, 
I knew it was a an American retailer for games and like game peripherals, but I basically ignored all your messages <laughs> until one day. It was the day that Elon Musk tweeted game stocks, and I was like, okay, something is up with this stock. Let's investigate. And I decided to dive into Wall Street bets and read a couple of the due diligence DDs. And oh my goodness, like that was me opening Pandora's box. It was the first time I was learning about a short. When I found out that the short ratio was up to or more than 140%, I was astounded. And I was like, wait a second, like these people, these hedge funds have been caught with their hand in the cookie jar. And all we need to do is just twist it really, really hard and we will get some gains. I had no idea what the gains were at that time. But yeah, about two hours in the sub and I decided to hop on the GME rocket. <laughs> yeah, I hopped on the GME rocket back when it was like $12 a share. Yeah, and I sold at 32. I'll never forget the number, 32. Let's do a 200% profit though. Yeah, and I bought back in the things. I bought back in at 300. So no, I bought back in at 100, 120. Mm. But still, uh, it's bleeding red. At this current time, mm. it's still bleeding quite red. Right. Uh, but you know what? If, if I lose all my money, it was a good experience for me, you know. Uh, I think everyone in this podcast can attest to how much they have learned from this whole ordeal. Mm from financial instruments, the stock market, and even philosophical things like, who's the baddie here? Zizia, you want to talk about how you got to learning about GameStop and then why you decided to buy? Well, I first saw this meme stock thing through Twitter. Like, you know, our mutual friend, Lina, she also posted some stuff about BlackBerry. And then I went to check BlackBerry out. And then uh, they were saying BlackBerry is selling all their tech away and then they are dabbling into security and stuff. Mm. I'm not, I forget the exact product they are going to dabble into. Mm. And then I asked you, hey, have you heard about BlackBerry? And then you pointed me to the direction of GME. So that's how I got into GME. Uh, so why did I decide to buy? My main motivation was for the memes and the lows. Mm. I think I I think I I'm a very laid back guy. So uh, when I see this as a potential movement to you know fuck the hedge fund guys, I was like, hey, let's do something about it. It's really convenient, right? Like for a couple hundred, couple thousand, you can yeah just make someone panic for a good like three weeks and potentially make some money. Yeah, and if you browse the subreddit, then you can feel the hype and excitement mm. of everybody there. And I I guess I also got taken in into it. Right. Like, yeah. So for the benefit of people who still don't have a big picture of what's going on in GameStop, I'm just going to run a bit through the history. So sometime in 2019, one of the users of the subreddit Wall Street Bets, known as Deep F***ing Value, buys 50,000 options in 2019. And he posts extremely long due diligence essays. And he also does extremely long YouTube videos explaining why GameStop was very undervalued at the time and how he believes that it has long-term value if it can successfully pivot its business, integrating e-commerce and things like that. And people shit on him for like a year and a half, right? And sometime late last year, I believe it was late last year in October or 
November. Some of the people on Wall Street Bets, they looked at the short interest on GameStop and they realized that it shorted over 140%. So what that means is some companies, some hedge funds were borrowing the stock and then selling it first, expecting the price to rise. Like for example, if it was $10, they sell it at $10 and they expect the price to go down to say 5 When the price goes down to 5 they buy it back at 5 return the stock, and then they get 10 minus 5 equals $5 and that's the profit. But then the people at Wall Street Bets realized that if everybody started buying stock, the price of GameStop would go up. So from $10, it might go to, say, 12 or 22 The retail buyers, the, the Wall Street bet guys, can start earning money. And the hedge funds lose the difference. So I believe that was around the period where, uh, Nick, you first bought in at 12 I'll just, I'll just interject a little bit then. Because while it's true that uh, DFV went in and around July, very, very prominent investors... Uh, one of them being Michael Burry actually went in, I think around August or September. He noticed the same thing DFV noticed, or I don't know who inspired who, but for anyone that doesn't know who Michael Burry is, he was the one that made a lot of money uh, during the financial crisis by shorting CDOs, going against the banks pretty much. CDOs of the mortgage back bonds, right? Yes, that's correct. So that's who Michael Burry is. Now, he noticed an opportunity that the shares were overshorted and there is a possibility of a short squeeze. Mm. But that was not the trigger as well for what pushed GME, I, I in my opinion, uh, what pushed GME into the levels of meme stock. Uh, Ryan Cohen, I think he was the founder or CEO of Chewy. And he basically is a really, really rich guy. He is in venture capital and he, he basically filed a 13D, which is that you own over 5%. I, if I recall correctly, you own over 5% of an entire company. And then people are thinking, oh, he has a history in e-commerce. Is he going to develop GameStop in that direction? Something that rebrand and remodify their business entirely. And this was, I think, back in September. In December, that was when I got in. December, he bought in more stocks. And people were like, okay, is he going to try and aim for a board seat? That's when the prices started to rise. Then it went from $10 to $15 to $20. And it stagnated around $20 for a while before the, the Wall Street bets crusade started. And then there's the gamma squeeze of all gamma squeezes. I think he eventually did get enough shares to be on the seat of GameStop, right? Correct. He, I think he had two at the time I read it. He had two. So I read that news. I believe this was on the... 15th? The 15th of January, which was a Friday. So from what I understand, uh, Wall Street bets went mad. And at the time, I was still very ignorant about the whole thing. Again, only until the next week, when Mr. Elon Musk tweeted, did I truly commit my interest into the whole GameStop shenanigans? Mostly because I found out of his personal vendetta against Melvin Capital. One of the hedge funds that shorted GameStop. But from now on, we are going to refer to all the hedge funds that short GameStop as Melvin's for simplicity's sake. <laughs> yeah, I thought the whole thing was so poetic. The script doesn't get any better than this, right? And I was like, okay, I'm on. Like, let me just put in a couple thousand and let's see where this ship goes. 
I mean, we're still on the ship, man. The ship has not sunk yet. I didn't hear no bell. Our ship uh, slightly was impacted by... Slightly is an understatement. A giant asteroid <laughs> on our way to <laughs> Mars. That is the biggest betrayal, I think, of all time. I, I can't think of like a bigger betrayal than an entity called Robin Hood would side with the rich instead of the poor. So Robinhood is a stock trading service, usually app-based, that operates in the US. And their value proposition is that they provide trading without a fee or at a very negligible fee. And so it allows the average Joe to do trading at a more aggressive pace than if they were to go through a traditional broker. Now, I think they limited the purchase of all the meme stocks. It's AMC, BB, Nokia, BBBY, and American Airlines. So this cut the demand severely because people were just not able to buy. And because of that, they weren't able to drive the price up to perform the short squeeze. Now, the reason that Robinhood claimed they restricted the buying was that they wanted to protect the investors from stock volatility. But in reality, so for them to buy the stock from a clearinghouse, they have to post a certain percentage of the stock price to offer as collateral before they can buy the stock. Usually this number is about 2 to 5% per stock, but the Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation, or DTCC, decided to change that margin to 250%. So you have a stock that's multiplied in price by a couple hundred times. The margins to be posted have also multiplied by 200 times. So Robinhood could not put up any money at all. They were not liquid at all. And so would not be able to function as a service if they continued to sell more GME. But I don't think that changed the fact that millions of people were really, really pissed off. I don't know what you guys think. I mean, whether that had a big effect on the whole stock plummeting. I mean, only time will tell, right? And it's still very up for debate. But regardless, it's the president that it sent that a stockbroker can restrict the buying of a stock. I mean, you look at penny stocks, right? Or, or just other stocks in general. Some pharmaceutical companies can go like up a thousand percent a day or, or down 2,000, 1,000 percent a day but you, you don't see robin hood or any stockbrokers ibkr was one of them too that just intervenes with the decisions of the retail investor because frankly in my opinion any risk that is being done or is being conducted is borne by the investor and, and i don't see why a stock trading platform would have the right to decide what is risky for the retail investor or not but that's just my uninformed uh, five-head Wall Street bet meme view. Do you think that it's possible that because they were helping, allowing people to buy on margin and that affected their liquidity? Oh, oh, definitely, definitely. This whole thing is just, it's so big that you have to be on the inside to know what's going on. We can only speculate, right? The main problem with this whole crusade was that we are working with a lot of imperfect information even though we do have certain insights to what's going on, but we are constantly acting a step behind. And the only things that are driving the momentum forward are number one, the irrational behavior of all the Wall Street apes. 
And number two, the pace of which the Wall Street bets apes action accelerated in the last week of January. Actually, if you take a look at uh, the subreddit right now, a lot of new redditors joined that subreddit to get in on this after all its money, right? And then you see a lot of people who already profited off GME started posting the Wall Street bet avatar on billboard signs and online ads. Some of them taking out online ads. Ah, yeah, yeah. So you start seeing people post the avatar of Wall Street bets on online ads, uh, billboards, and even carve the word GME in snow. I think some of them got tattoos or something. Ah, yes, yes, yes. I saw a tattoo of Diamond Hands. So Diamond Hands is the catchphrase that's being uttered to describe people who hold on very tightly to their shares. And in this context, it would be GME, AMC, BlackBerry shares. I mean, also Palantir and BBBY, but mostly GME, AMC. Well, now we wait for Tuesday because the short interest report is coming out. But the lack of information of short interest was what caused the uncertainty that caused the price to go down, right? I didn't really talk about why it went down. I just said we don't really know why it went down because there are so many different factors out there, right? But all, all we need to know is that it went down and people sold. Uh, people are still holding. There's too much. It's too opaque right now. Uncertainty, that... fear. So at its peak, Jamie was worth $470. And then uh, because of Robin Hood's interference and market manipulation, it dropped to 130 on Monday. Yeah, on Thursday. Wait, wait. On the peak is on which day? It was on Thursday. On both both are Thursday. Thursday, and then um, then there was some buyback uh, and resistance until we hit three two five on Friday. Okay, I have the trading view up anyway. No, but honestly, my my stance is we don't know anything though. For sure, the buying restrictions contributed to the severe drop. But the thing is, right, that you know, retail investors only hold about maybe ten percent of GME in total. The rest are are all big hitters versus big hitters. I think the, the more interesting story is that GME has completely not obeyed fundamentals. It has completely strayed off the realm of common sense if you ever studied the stock market. I started to believe that when I saw the opening on Wednesday and it just rocketed up and I was so convinced that the short squeeze was happening. It was already at a level which I couldn't really comprehend. Although, if you, you know, if you want to do your own valuation of GameStop, you'll find that the stock shouldn't be valued where it was at $20, $30. In fact, depending on your threshold, it should be something closer to at least 100 But Wednesday, we were at mid 300 and above, like 360 370 right? And then we went in and... We don't know if the other hedge funds who were alongside, which means they're buying, also faced similar buying restrictions. If they did, then certainly it would have contributed to the huge drop on Thursday. To play the devil's advocate, the drop on Thursday, according to mainstream media, was a sign that the shorts were being covered already because the short interest plunged, according to data out there. So just, uh, I, I pulled out a quote, right? Uh, short interest in the video game retainer plummeted to 39% of refloating shares from 114% in mid-January. According to IHS market 
limited data. Another market intelligence firm showed a similar pattern with GameStop's short sales having fallen to about 50% of its total stock available to trade, down from a high of 140%. So there's two options available. One is that the shorts won. The other is the shorts are heavily manipulating the market, right? And, and we don't know which one it is. Mm. Because technically, a gamma squeeze was supposed to happen this week. Yeah, when tons of calls expired in the market. In the money, right? Uh, in the money in the market. But then the market makers just failed to deliver. There's this tweet by Michael Burry. who said, like, they couldn't find... the uh, took my brokers weeks to find my shares. There's a shitstorm in settlement. But yeah, there's, there was no gamma squeeze this week. And next week... If there's no gamma squeeze, then I think GameStop's dead. Because th there is a certain time that they have to deliver before they're barred from trading. But they failed to deliver over 30 days already, from 19th December. And, and you know, SEC is not doing anything about this. There, there are so many loopholes that benefit the hedgies that us retail investors are already at a disadvantage. Especially dealing with incomplete information is just hard but overall that dip from what 470 to like what was it 100 100 plus that was painful so like i believe one of the loopholes that the hedge funds are using is the fact that because they can short gamestop as much as they want and also because we don't have visibility of the true number of shorts um, you know all we have are estimates what they can do is they can always get new shorts and then cover their old shorts by returning the stock. And if the price difference is not too much, price difference or the delta is not too much, then they can continue doing this again and again until people decide to give up on GameStop and let the stock price fall to a price of, say, like, you know, 20 or 30, and then they can get their profits this way. And so one of the key themes of this week in particular was doubt. You laid out a couple of scenarios. One, that the shorts might possibly close. Two, that there's some severe market manipulation that's playing out and that we can't really see. So nobody really knows what it is and we only get bits and bits of imperfect or incomplete information. For example, the S3 short interest reports. And all these people who are quoting the short interest from January 15th, but at the same time, there's a lot of evidence that a lot of the stock movements in the last two weeks are not covers, but actually new shorts. And it makes sense because when the stock price is that high at like 300 plus, it wouldn't be surprising if a hedge fund would want to bet that it would, you know, drop significantly, whether it's to $20 or whether it's to $200. You would still make a profit then. So that's one. The other thing that kind of changed the game for me was the severe loss of faith in the mainstream media. Prior to this, I have no problem, you know, going to, you know, CNBC or Bloomberg to get my financial news. But what I found was that there was a, a narrative of demonizing a lot of the Wall Street bets people, claiming that some sort of collective trying to destabilize hedge funds for some malicious reason. And I'm not saying that's not partially true, but at the end of the day, Wall Street vets are just a bunch of people who happen to agree with each other. Many of them like disagree with each other. 
but all they're doing is just posting their positions, telling people, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to do this. And there's no way to enforce that behavior onto other users. But fortunately, for Wall Street bets, people hopped on and so did we. Fortunately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right now the, the numbers look a little bit bleak. We're, we're still riding this rocket to the moon, baby. The, I mean, the only rule that everyone should have getting to the stock market is don't bet on, don't invest what you're not comfortable losing. You know, even if this doesn't pan out, we have learned a lot. And I think there are positives to take from this. I don't know how are you guys going to continue on in your investment journey from now, but definitely I think I've been, been heavily inspired by the degeneracy of Wall Street bets. Yeah, I think you mentioned before, uh, because this actually picked up a lot of steam on mainstream media and a lot of people are actually re researching on like how to how to buy stocks and basically delving into financial literacy, right? You are right to say that because of Wall Street bets, a lot of people are more knowledgeable about their financial status and how to invest. I picked up that quote from you <laughs> because you say like, Financial literacy will go off, go up. Because of I think this. it will inspire more people to invest, yeah. me included. Probably the two of you as well. I mean, I was already buying ETFs before this. Strangely enough, GameStop, GME is my first stock pick. So I'm not exactly proud of that. But I've learned so much in the last week and a half about how the market performed in ways that I couldn't possibly fathom. Like it yeah. don't get more volatile than this, right? Yeah, this is this is definitely a once in a lifetime opportunity. I think I don't think we're ever gonna see this mm -hmm. again. I think the the hedge funds will have learned. Hopefully, will have learned their lessons. Yeah, I do want to see some sort of stigma developed by the hedge funds against overshorting a company, especially because they know that there are other hedge funds and retail investors who are gonna pick up very quickly on this kind of information and might try to repeat history. So one thing I liked about the subreddit is the unity the users showed and then the gifts that they churned out. So there was one gift where they showed Neo from the Matrix blocking bullets and there are subtitles under the, those bullets which read hedge, hedge funds, Robin Hood, basically all the obstacles that us retail investors were facing at that time. And I think it, it's very funny. Have you guys seen the GIF? Nick, have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that one. I've seen that one. And then I also saw a GIF of the Avengers scene where Captain America turned around and then all his reinforcements came. You have people all over the world. Singapore is it's Mantis, I think, right? Uh, I remember Robin Hood was restricting the buying of Jamie, right? And then the UK people stepped up and said, hey guys, we got this. And then they show their purchases of GME. I think that's like very heartwarming. The entire world getting together to fight the hedge funds. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so true though. Like this whole thing has become a worldwide phenomenon. You started to see people from UK, Sweden, a lot of Koreans. Like I think even made it to like Korean mainstream news about that people were buying quite a bit of GameStop. I think I saw an Egyptian one. Unfortunately, I think Wall Street Bets had a coup like two days ago. Oh, oh, oh shots fired. Pump, pump, pump. Where the founder of Wall Street Bets sold out to the hedge funds and self-declared that he was in charge of all of this. 
So I think he negotiated a movie deal with Hollywood. Who wants to watch a movie about Wall Street bets? It'll just be people spamming diamond hands and rocket emojis. How do you make that a movie? I think I saw a thread where they were, they wanted Deep for Value to be the main character. Is he the main character though? DFB? Yeah. He's probably the main character of this. Uh, he, you know, he has been made the main character of this. Thing is, he's not. He wasn't in it to screw over the hedge funds. He was in it because he just likes the stock. Yeah, like he talked about the possibility of a squeeze, right? But that was like the cherry on the cake for him. Yeah, because his positions are long. Exactly, exactly. Like uh, he doesn't want to sell, right? Not now, anyway. Yeah. But I remember seeing a GIF of Monty Python: Life of Brian. Mm-hmm. He is the Messiah, and Brian with the DFB on him is like, uh, I'm not the Messiah, guys. And now he has to go to testify in, at the US Congress. I don't know what the nature of that hearing will be, but he has to give evidence and most likely he has to clear himself of you know, any possible accusations that he was engineering market manipulation. But without him, for sure, a lot of confidence in GME would have been lost. Memes, man. The memes were hilarious. There's still a lot of memes now. Uh, quality kind of gone belly up the last couple of days between a severe price dip and a coup of the entire subreddit. But, so I haven't been reading as much as I was earlier in the week. I think I share the same view that I stopped reading Wall Street Bets because actually there's a lot of pessimism going around. And actually we do not know if these people are actual people or bots or paid actors to spread this kind of news to force people to sell. I guess where we are now is that there's still a lot of uncertainty. We are waiting on a 9th February report on the short stock positions of two weeks ago. But we also really don't know what could happen. Some people are saying that there's a possibility of another squeeze and there's very good evidence of that. And some people are saying that many or maybe most of the shots have covered. And there's some good evidence for that. Yeah, I don't know if the hedge funds had last week to plan all these out, but the morale of the subreddit now is pretty low. So yeah, we do not know who to trust anymore. And it's very hard to tell, right? Because some of these pessimist posts or critics of people who still who are still holding on to GME, some of them are accounts which are a few days old or inactive accounts that suddenly come and spam every thread with criticism. But some of these accounts are legit Reddit users who have been around for quite a while. And then, and even on Wall Street bets, but also go out of their way to take a shit on people who have eaten a paper loss in the last week. And I mean, the answer is that you just have to trust yourself, right? You do your own due diligence. You have already committed the money. The money's gone. The money can always be made back again through different form- forms. I don't think any of us changed our lifestyles because GME tanked or didn't skyrocket the way we wanted it to skyrocket. Only invest money that you are willing to drop to zero, which is the mindset I went in. <laughs> I invested quite a bit. I think GameStop represents about 5% of my portfolio, which is quite a lot to put into one stock. And to be honest, uh, I was feeling really, really down when the price dropped to about, I think, $60, $70 the the other day. But I also kind of thought of the long-term potential of the company. And I did my own calculations and I found that GameStop is probably undervalued right now. 
there's some good news for GameStop, not just with Michael Cohen's leadership, but also Michael? some of the new Ryan, 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 Ryan. Okay, <laughs> watch too much Office. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Ryan Cohen's leadership and his appointees, uh, which have very strong backgrounds in, uh, I think, e-commerce and web services. So GameStop does have a future, I think. And I think for us gamers, we know that there's always a place for physical games, gaming peripherals, uh, and just nerd stuff that you want to buy and see physically, right? Yeah, I'm sure pe- there are still people who would still go to the brick and mortar shop to browse. And there are people who still collect uh, physical copies of the games, even though everything is now digital. But I think GameStop would still have hope in them. Sorry, Nick, you were saying? No, oh, no, no. I- I'm the complete opposite of Clinton. GameStop represents 90% of my portfolio. <laughs> All the gains that I've made the past two months were wiped out <laughs> instantly thanks to GameStop. But it's fine. It's fine. Just have to eat a bit of cup ramen. I mean, if GameStop does well, then you will be able to get like long-term profit, uh, have diamond hands, and get its deep f***ing value. Yeah. <laughs> so on Wall Street Bets, uh, I saw this essay, and I wanted to read some excerpts from the essay to you guys. Hit me with it. The stock market is a weird beast because it's an infinite game. You've got to outlast your opponents. But most people play with a finite mindset, which means they have a clear goal and they have a clear criteria for the game to end. But the stock market doesn't end. So a player tries to get their stock to hit a certain price and they cash out and they leave or they play again by picking a new stock. During the last few weeks, a tremendous amount of players entered the meme stock game and used orders and limits to win so they could leave. Their opponents did the same. And even when the rules are lopsided, the game functions as both sides try to cheerly and do whatever they can do to fight for their side, short or long. It's no secret that the rules of the game were changed dramatically last Thursday for players in meme stock as millions of people were suddenly knocked out, impacting the score for every other player. So players of the finite game that got robbed now are at a crossroads. They can, number one, hold and keep playing and hope that their meme stock will hit their target price. Number two, cut their losses and sell to keep a smaller profit or prevent deeper losses. But here's the part where things go off the rails and no one is talking about because no one has found the right words to put to it yet. A huge number of these finite-minded players have been turned into infinite-minded players. So you see people posting things like food stamps or Lambos, GME to the moon. Do I die with Nokia or do I get cremated with my Nokia? Uh, I'm holding AMC to give to my grandchildren or until they make a movie about us. So this represents a huge psychological change with these people. And it's clear that they have changed from their finite mindset to an infinite mindset. And throughout history, when infinite-minded players have played an infinite game against finite-minded players, the infinite-minded players have won. They have won every single time. Damn, that was deep. Deep stuff. Yeah, I guess we all have to think carefully about what we are putting our money to do, right? This GameStop is not investing. Investing is putting your money somewhere and hoping that it will grow for fundamental reasons, right? That a business is good. But this is just... Degeneracy. It's degeneracy. That's what it is. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you're riding off the energy of buys and sells in order to cash out. And, you know, there are restrictions and laws to prevent this kind of behavior. And it's not inherently wrong, but... Know that you are putting your money and time on the line 
to achieve a goal which is extremely uncertain compared to other ways of making money, like getting income at a job or putting it in more stable investments? Yeah, I, I think compared to the two of you guys, I'm definitely earning a lot less because I'm on a part-time and yet I still put in a bulk of my money because I always believe that you can always earn back what you put in. You skimp a bit, maybe stop buying iTunes cards, stop buying skins, stop buying Steam store credit for a few months. Stop buying FGO gachas. <laughs> stop buying Pokecoins, right? But at the end of the day, the upside was just so huge and I just wanted to be a part of it. Why not? Yeah, I saw some threads where they were in for the money for the first part. And then because of all the momentum and sense of unity that they want to point the middle finger to the hedge funds in the end, they become diamond hands and shed their paper hand persona. I saw a post that asked the question, would you be willing to tie $300 to a rock if I let you throw it at a hedge fund manager? And if the answer is yes, hop on the rocket. Yeah. And I also saw a lot of good from the people who benefited from the profits of GME where they buy game consoles from the actual GameStop shop and donated it to children's hospitals. I think that's a very nice gesture. Yeah, they, they bought like switches or donated. Yeah. I think that that's the difference we want to see in ourselves, right? And that's the difference we want to make, right? If you had a butt-ton of money tomorrow, like what would you do? Of course, you know, everyone has stuff that they want for themselves, but it's really important to think about what you can provide at very little cost to yourself that could turn some lives around. But the stock market will always be there and there is always money to be made. This, this year is the prime time to get into... I wouldn't say this year, last year was, but it's still going up, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes I wonder if the stock market itself is currently in a bubble. Although the firms aren't necessarily extremely overvalued at the time, but it's a bit worrying seeing stock prices continuing to rise, even though there's no evidence that short-term performance will be recovering anytime soon for all these multinational companies. Why so? Uh, look at the pace of vaccinations. Look at the number of cities who are, that are still on lockdowns. I don't know about money trickling down, but I know that money always rains upwards. If people cannot spend even if not at a big business, but even at small businesses, the money cannot go up to the supplier. It cannot go up to the manufacturers. It cannot go all the way up to the companies that will eventually receive those earnings and therefore deserve the valuation of their price. What if in three or four years, a known company like Apple still has the same performance that it did this year? That would be an indication that their growing stock price was not really justified. Do you see the news about the new Apple car? Oh, we going there now. Uh, I, I don't know about the I know about the Apple car and uh, I think what three point eight billion. They're investing three point eight billion to Kia. What what's it gonna call the IKEA? Oh, oh no! <laughs> it's like they have like I don't know a couple of variants of a car like the the IKEA and the IKEA Plus. IKEA Pro Max. <laughs> Man, like. I don't know what to think. Like, I I can't imagine Apple legitimately putting out a car. I know everyone would want to have one, but I can't imagine the kind of right to repair or DRM shenanigans that they're going to pull when it comes to maintenance. Mr. Rossman is going to have a field day. 
Oh my gosh, me. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine you something goes wrong with your car, right? Like the drive train or like I don't know, the battery, and then you gotta go to the genius bar. How are you gonna go to the genius bar if your car is screwed? It's gonna be like uh they'll get a genius truck to tow the the car into the genius shop. And the genius shop is going to repair it and charge you a thousand percent of what you actually should be paying. Remember to buy your Apple Care. It'll cost you like few thousand. IKEA Care. Oh, but Tesla is on the verge of coming to Singapore. Okay, they had a lot of issues with trying to establish a retail presence here because Singapore literally only reversed their stances on electric vehicles about like a year ago. So it, a year ago, Tesla would still be heavily taxed just based on its sticker price. But now consumers will be able to get a, a $30,000 rebate. It's still going to be really expensive, but I don't know if people like our parents would want to buy a Tesla. But how would COE work with Tesla though? The same? So you still pay COE as usual. I think they might change the scheme to, instead of having it on engine size, but they might base it on emissions rating, you still pay that price. And then depending on the model of the Tesla, they may award you either a rebate or an additional tax. No, one thing's for sure, I'm not going to be able to afford a Tesla. Are you going to buy a Tesla? No. It's going to be like, what, 300000 here at least, man. Like even a model, what's the cheapest one? Model 3, right? But man, I really want to drive a Tesla. I, I want to go to the US just so I can rent a Tesla to drive it for a day. I mean, you have a reason. <laughs> the Tesla might as well be a reason everything else is a bonus. <laughs> That's guy things. Stonk. Stonks. I don't know what I feel about the Wall Street bubble now. In the past, I, I wanted to go to New York City and like get an obligatory picture of it, right? But now, I kind of hate it. Why so? What, you're becoming an anarchist? You know, like I, I'm always very opposed to the idea of uh, large corporations having undue influence politically and the exploitation of lower-paid labor. And now that I've stood facing the bull, and I know, I know all the dirty tricks that you can pull. I don't feel good having to take a picture with it. But who knows? Like, I might change my mind if I actually get to New York. Ah, ah this, is, this is tough. This is tough. Cause... It's like, if you were a hyper-capitalist, like, would you want to take a picture with a statue of Karl Marx? I mean, it's cool, right? But you're kind of like, well, why do I want to do, do it even just for the laws? But then again, I'm a... I'm like smack bang moderate, so <laughs> right in the middle. I would do it for the laws. Like if if my friends know that I hate this guy, I'll take it and like, hey, hey, look who's behind me. Yeah, but sometimes, you know, I try to pay attention to celebrities that my friends follow, local ones as well. Like in the off chance that if I ever see them, right, I can like take a picture with them. Not because I care about them, but just so I can send them to my friends. <laughs> Yeah, I think I saw Kurt Day yesterday, but I'm not too sure because, you know, everyone's wearing a mask. Are you in Yishun? No, near my office. I wouldn't know any Singaporean celebrity. <laughs> you can put me right next to them and I won't know jack shit. I think Singapore celebrities are... They're small fry, like, in a sense. Because I think 
the Korean and Western market has dominated our entertainment scene so much so that even if let's say the biggest star right now, I don't know what Zoe Tay is beside me, I I I don't give a <laughs> so if there is a celebrity right next to you, you I just pretend they are just a normal person because they are normal in today's context. Was there news of like some Japanese vlogger that wanted to move to Singapore or something like that? Oh, that was a very famous vlogger that moved to Singapore though. Gib Ojisa? No, no, not Jib. He's already moved here actually, but I, I don't know his name. I forgot. No, I think Jib was talking about an influencer who moved to Singapore. I mean, he's not the kind of guy who would describe himself as an influencer. Male or female? Hang on, I'm, I'm watching now. Okay, so this guy is called Nakata Atsuhiko, but nobody can read Japanese names anyway. But uh, he's going to be living in Singapore for March. So Nakata Atsuhiko, his YouTube channel is called Nakata University. I've heard of him. I've heard of him. Yeah, he has 3.6 million subs. So he talks about, uh, I think he, he, he does some uh, literature analysis. I think Evangelion and Promised Wonderland and uh, some novels. And then uh, I think he does some, you know, like critiques on on books and ideas that he's learned from books but yeah you know it's all in japanese so i haven't really watched his videos mostly because they are at least half an hour long i'm seeing some two hour videos right now here but he's averaging around 500k views per videos yeah he's super famous in japan wait hang on i'm already okay, nas, nas daily nas daily is uh is the famous youtuber that came to singapore oh okay Oh, right. You weren't around when he came. Like, um, he gets so much hate. Well deserved. People don't like him because uh, he posted a lot of... It's a government show. And he's not even Singaporean, dude. Like, he's, what, Israeli? Well, I don't know, but I want out. Bye, guys. <laughs> I want out. You want out what? Off? Oh, no, not, not, a, not, not on the podcast. I mean, like, in this place. Oh, oh, in Singapore? Yeah. Well, okay, let's save that for another episode. So today we had Nick and Chen Jie with us to talk about GameStop and everything that's happened. Follow us on our social media, BTHPodSG or BTHPodcastSG. We're on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Look for the logo. Diamond hands, baby! Whoever that listens to this podcast, just wanted to let you guys know that the stock market is the best casino in this world and uh, one that the odds are better, slightly more in your favor as compared to going down to the local Singaporean pools and buying Toto or 4D. Speaking about Toto, the Monday draws 8.6 million and I feel like a degenerate right now, so I'm <laughs> going to go buy, I'm going to buy some Toto tomorrow. All right, that's my closing statement. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. I'll think about that too. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Okay, uh, I need to do something, but speaking of the total one, <laughs> it's 8.6 billion Monday draw, bro. Are you in or are you out? <laughs> just just buy quick pick, whatever, like $1. Oh, how, wait, how do you buy? I haven't really bought it before. Like, quick pick, what? We're on Twitter, talk. I almost said talk cock.